Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card. Because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in-store. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another episode of the Instant Offense uh, Podcast. I'm James Holdis of B-Ball Breakdown. Um, we've had a busy, busy, busy couple weeks. Uh, we just finished. We're finishing up the uh, the basketball breakdown top 50. I uh, hope everybody's seen that. And my preview series continues, and I'm joined today by Mr. Rahat Huck. Um, writer for Red94.net, the ESPN True Hoop Network, Houston Rockets blog. Uh, Rahat, how you doing, man? James, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I was, I was pretty pumped about this. Um, I've been getting, like, seriously, people, and I'm not just saying this, no, no hyperbole. I've been, I ask people, hey, what preview series do you want to see? And I get a lot of Houston Rockets uh, answers. I think people are really hyped about the Rockets this year. Um, before we get, Before we hop into it too much, though, how long have you been writing for Red94.net? I created Red94 in 2009 and have been with uh, the True Network of ESPN.com since then. Um, and the Rockets have been good for about only two of those years, but it's been a ride all <laughs> along the way, and uh, it's been great. And as you said, it seems like uh, it's a team that, people seem a little bit more interested about these days, and so I welcome that. Have you always been a Rockets fan? Uh, I, I mean, I remember back when, you know, Hakeem and Clyde were there, and they had some down times. Uh, I remember the T-Mac days, the Yao days. How long have you been following the Rockets? I'm 30 years old. Uh, I have been following them since 1994 when I was nine years old when the team won its first title. I, of course, thought, at that time, that it was normal to win titles. Um, they again won the, the title the next year. And after that, uh, as anyone, any uh, fan of the NBA would know, they went on into a prolonged era of mediocrity, and I quickly learned that it was not the norm. Um, so it's good to be back uh, near the uh, the upper crust again. But it, it's been a long journey for me as a Rockets fan. I bet, man. At nine years old, to see back-to-back championships, you have no point of reference. So you're like, man, my team's a bunch of – the Rockets have been consistently a pretty, a pretty quality franchise. Um, 
terrible luck with uh, with McGrady in his back and then Yao in his, his injury. So, but yeah, you guys are right back here at the top of the top of the charts. Um, yeah, let's let's talk real quick. Tell me this. I'm gonna ask you about the the Harden trade because I'm a Celtics fan and I, my feeling is that Danny Ainge is looking for another one of those kind of deals where. He's collecting assets, and he's going to try to be a competitive, if not contending team, and he's waiting for a disgruntled slash available star. Um, talk to me a little bit about the run-up to the Harden deal and, and, and maybe like just, just, yeah, give me a little bit of backstory on that and how that felt to, to get a player of that caliber in. I mean, it was, it was just a, a situation of being ready and having the assets to pounce at the, at the perfect opportunity. I mean, it was just the perfect storm for the Rockets. And you could say that in some ways they got lucky, but to get lucky, you have to be smart and put yourself in that position to begin with. And so that's kind of what Danny Ainge has been doing. He's been collecting those assets, but it's hard to get a player of James Harden's caliber. I, I didn't think that hard. I don't think even Daryl Morey thought that James Harden would be this good. I mean, he didn't need to be this good to justify the trade. I thought that when we were getting him, you you were getting an all-star caliber player, someone around uh, the likes of, you know, the range of a Montales type of guy, a very, very good two guard that can be a foundation of your franchise. But I did not think that this was a guy that could be an MVP caliber player. And I don't think that Daryl Morey even thought he would be that great despite what was said. And so it was the perfect storm for the Rockets with everything coming together. I mean, so much has been written about the finances behind that Oklahoma city, obviously wanting to dodge the luxury tax, but a big part of that is that not that many people thought that Harden was really this great. And the Rockets, they did their diligence, of course, with the the numbers and so much has been made of Harden almost being sort of this creation of the the perfect embodiment of what Daryl Morey wants in a basketball player. And, even from from his rookie season, I mean, it was all about free throws and his his uh, his incredible ability at the rim and his three point shooting. It was basically perfect for what Daryl Morey wanted, and he's just grown from that. And so for Danny Ainge, it's it's going to be difficult. I I applaud the strategy. I mean, it worked for the Rockets, but there's a reason that so many people have written about this as one of the lop, most lopsided trades in the NBA. It's because something like this doesn't happen. You have to find an undervalued guy and you have to find a team that isn't willing to pay him and doesn't see that apparent value. Thank you so much. I'm sta- I want to stand up and applaud and whistle right now because that's my whole – and it's another thing about my, my feeling with the Celtics is that – but, yeah, it's like a perfect storm. So to actually make that almost like a plan, to make that your rebuilding plan, to make that how you, you plan on stocking your larders – doesn't seem like a very good idea to me because, I mean, how long are you going to wait? You know, Harden is a once he's up there, you know, as, as a, a truly elite player and to, to get a truly elite player for the pieces that, like, OKC gave up or, like, Boston has, which they don't have a lot of great assets. They have decent role players. You agree with that? But no, nobody that's going to, you know, really just blow you away. They have a lot of good rotational players and a lot of picks. To think you're going to get, you know, a franchise cornerstone for that, Houston got lucky doesn't mean that Boston Boston will, right? And and not only that, the Rockets toiled in mediocrity for a few years before that. I mean, it looked 
the the Harden trade changed everything for Daryl Morey. If that didn't happen, we don't know if he would still be the. I mean, this may seem like a bold statement, but we don't know what would become of Daryl Morey. It changed everything. Of course, it was the domino that led to the to the Dwight Howard signing. But before that, Rockets fans remember they were they were toiling in mediocrity as the ninth seed. I mean, Daryl Morey made so much about that. This is the best uh, team to never make the playoffs, and they, they had guys like Kyle Lowry and. Goran Dragic before he really blew up. Kevin Martin was their best player. They were toiling in mediocrity, and then they got lucky. Um, and so I, I don't know if I agree with you about it about it not being a smart plan for Danny Ainge. I think it's a smart plan, but I don't know if it can be duplicated because not only what I everything I just said, but I think teams are going to be more conscious after the Harden trade. They're going to look more closely at not wanting to get screwed the way Oklahoma City did and the, those cap realities that were existent that made it possible for the Rockets to pounce on Harden aren't the case anymore. The cap is skyrocketing, and so teams can lock up those young players at a higher rate than they would have been comfortable with or OKC was comfortable with with paying Harden. And you, you, you hit the nail on the head. So let me, I want to make sure I, I clarify. Cause it, I say it's like it's smart because assets are assets. Assets are good. And guys on reasonable contracts are good. But as you just said – it's it's just such a rare occurrence. I mean, we can look at what Boston did before. They they flipped a lot of assets for Kevin uh, Garnett and and uh, Ray Allen. And again, though, that's you know that's twice lightning struck twice in the NBA. It's very rare to happen. But this is not a Celtics podcast. We're we're we're, we're, we're let's let me let me let me stop whining and 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 boohooing right now. Um, but we did just talk about James Harden. And he was a great playoff event for OKC. You guys got him in Houston, and I mean. The guy was the, the runner-up MVP last year. He was he had he was scintillating. Uh, Dwight Howard missed a lot of time in and out of the lineup, and it didn't matter. Houston finished second in the West. James Harden was an absolute. I mean, he, he did everything for that team. And to me, he was my choice for for MVP. He was my pick all season. I, I think down to, down the stretch, I knew that Steph was going to win it, but he did more with less than than Golden State did. In the playoffs, he was amazing. Uh, through the first nine games, he was almost at 27, uh, 5, and 8. He was superbly efficient, and then they got down a couple games to the Clippers, and the depth showed up. Talk to me a little bit about what, how you were feeling when you saw Houston go down to the Clippers as they did, and then, you know, they were down, what, 19-21 in the third quarter of a possible closeout game. Pick up right there and, and tell me the, the vibe around the, the Rockets Nation. I'd be lying if I told you anything but that I didn't think it was over because I thought it was absolutely over. Every single person in the city thought it was over. I mean, that was the most remarkable comeback I will probably witness um, in, in my life as a fan. Um, and to have it, to have Josh Smith, of all people, be the, be the catalyst in the greatest turnaround in your franchise's history um, is definitely something bizarre that could not ever have been predicted. But we, we everybody thought it was over. I mean, it was another disappointment by the Rockets. I, at that at that point in time, my frame of mind was that the Rockets beating the Mavericks did not mean anything because the Mavericks were a shell of the team that we saw at the beginning of the season. Chandler Parsons getting injured. Rajon Rondo destroying that team's chemistry. And then Houston predictably coming out flat 
with a golden opportunity to jump on the Clippers with Chris Paul injured and Houston just just looking like themselves as always, just gutless. And out of the ashes, they just completely turned it on. I mean, they showed more heart and relentlessness than we've seen. It was it was amazing. Um, something just amazing to see the Rockets do that, and to have Josh Smith lead the way was was just bizarre. And it it it, it means everything for the Rockets going forward. I mean, as you said, it it, uh, it it the whole feel of the team is different now. I mean, you there used to be a sense around the team that there was just it was just a mediocre team. I mean, they they had not gotten out of the first round, and now here they are. They just came back off the Western Conference Finals. They're, they're now talking about contending for the title and entering into the year. People around the league are interested. That comeback meant everything for the Rockets to change their fortunes. It, I, I was just, I was stunned. I was speechless. And then the, the fact that as the series went on, they seemed to get stronger and stronger. So, the, you know, the next round versus Golden State was kind of anticlimactic. Uh, you know, the, the, the Warriors were a dominant team all year. And it happens. I mean, the Rockets got beat by a better team. I uh, got to tip your hat. My thing with that was uh, I, I, one thing to note: Harden was, I mean, that that game. What game was that? Um, the game four against Golden State when he he had forty five and he was just hitting everything. The guy was he's he's incredible. But then that closeout game, he he was he was very forgettable. The turnovers, uh, only fourteen points. So we're in the summertime now. Uh, Josh Smith moved on, uh, a little roster turnover, but as always, the focus is James Harden. Coming through this summer, what did you think? It sounds crazy to say this for the second place MVP uh, vote getter. James Harden, can you give me a grade for his last season? And what do you think he can add to his game this summer to make him even more lethal? Well, just to rewind a bit, I think on Harden as you said, in that last game, very forgettable. And I think that was the accumulation of just so much fatigue from carrying this team on his shoulders for the entire season. I mean, they forget about not having a supporting cast. They didn't even have Dwight Howard for the longest period. And so I think that was what that last game was about. And even more so than game four being impressive, games one and two, Harden was fantastic, just completely outclassing Clay Thompson. It almost seemed like Clay Thompson had absolutely no chance of guarding him. And Harden was just single-handedly keeping the Rockets in those two games and within striking conditions. They were just a few possessions away from being up 2-0 without Patrick Beverly, without Denaris Motinidis, two starters. That's one thing that's completely overlooked in the narrative, that the Rockets almost played the Warriors to a standstill through those first two games without two starters. And that's something that's never mentioned. And so for Harden, to answer your question, I'd give him an A, maybe an A+. I think for him... Personally, I think broad, more broadly for the team, they had, to, they had to address the issue of adding a second playmaker. They did that. For Harden, he can be just as good as he was last year, and the team can improve vastly just by having health and by having Ty Lawson. But if to answer your question about what Harden can add, I would say, and this seems kind of counterintuitive to everything that we read and hear and, and uh, immerse ourselves in about analytics and uh, you know, the the effectiveness of certain range of shooting. But for Harden, I think for him, he's already has the close range shots and the three-point shots. 
But for him the and for the Rockets, they now need improvement at the margins. I mean, these games are decided by just a few possessions, and these are better opponents. These are opponents that are protecting the rim better. These are opponents that are chasing shooters off the three-point line. For Harden, and I talked about this a lot against the Clippers when they faced DeAndre Jordan and when J.J. Redick was not going for any of his fakes. Harden can add a floater in the mid-range, and that will allow him to not need to get all the way to the basket. And I think, and this would sound even more counterintuitive, I think if he could add a post-up game, a consistent post-up game, I think that would do wonders for the Rockets. We've seen, and I've tracked this on Synergy in the past before when we had access to that, I've tracked his efficiency in the post, and he's very difficult to guard. He's a big guy. He's very difficult for the average swingman to contend with down there. And so that would allow the Rockets Another option where Harden isn't having to create everything off the dribble would allow him to rest and just it, it just gives them a whole other dimension. I think obviously adding Ty Lawson, I'm sure we'll get into that later, that, that adds a lot to the Rockets, but they really need to go away from posting up Dwight Howard. By the numbers, he's one of or if not the single worst post-up player in the entire league. That was their second option. And so if they can get away from that by doing anything else, I think that's going to be a drastic improvement for Houston. I, I love I love that, that theory of yours because the, the Rockets are known as such a data-driven team. And, I mean, look at their shot chart. It's it's basically all threes and at the rim, and that's what they want. And it, it works. Obviously it works. But sometimes you need to have – that's who Harden is. He's your chaos bringer. He, he can – he can overcome the defensive uh, analytics. He can he can do things that other players just can't. So the thought of him in the post is actually that's a very good idea because he's big, he's burly, he's stronger than most uh, shooting guards. That's that's a very interesting idea. And I like the fact that you want to get away from the analytics and have have that game breaker skill and have him in the mid range. I like that a lot because um, last year your game breaker was was Josh, was Josh Smith. He's he moved on, and you bring in another playmaker because I said the same thing a lot. It's something all 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 years. They need somebody else to handle the ball besides Harden. They can't just have Harden be the, you know, the, the end-all, be-all. So out goes Josh Smith, in comes Ty Lawson. I was listening to your Red 94 podcast, and you you were very high on Ty Lawson more than, say, maybe bringing LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you're losing Josh Smith, playmaking and, and rebounding, but you're, you're getting a guy like Ty. I don't think Ty is a, a, a absolute great fit because we haven't seen him play off the ball too much, but you, you tell me right now why – I should be optimistic about Ty Lawson fitting in Houston. You should be optimistic about him fitting in because I think the single biggest knock on him coming in, of course, aside from the personal demons, which he'll have to sort out, are his defensive inabilities. And we saw the Rockets get to the Western Conference Finals with Jason Terry and Pablo Prigioni as their starting point guards, two guys that are 38 years old and should be in wheelchairs right now. And so – Ty Lawson can't be any worse than that. Now, you brought up whether or not he can play off the ball, and I think that is a concern for possessions when James Harden has the ball. But I think if you can stagger the minutes, if you start them together and then ensure that Harden, for the, the, the entirety of the time that Harden's on the bench, that Lawson is on the court by himself with Beverly, and then you give Lawson the reins of the offense with Harden on the bench, you don't have to, and I, I keep going, I don't know how many episodes of the Red 94 podcast that you've listened to, but I keep hammering home on this. You don't have to go to Dwight Howard then. And that 
overall improves your offensive efficiency drastically. And so I think that, yes, it is a concern whether or not he can play off the ball in those minutes with Harden. Um, he's not a great spot-up three-point shooter at all. But I think just for the Rockets, I think you can afford that because just simply having that second ball handling. James Harden had to do absolutely everything for this team, and they, they couldn't even run sets where they had multiple pick and rolls because there wasn't another point guard. Nope. <clears throat> Excuse me. There wasn't another player that the defense respected enough. I mean, this opens up everything for the Rockets, and now they can run the exact same sets with Lawson as they did with Harden. Obviously, Lawson not nearly as effective, but if you've looked at the numbers, he's near the tops in the league at getting to the rim. Uh, yeah, man, it's the more I look at it and hear what you're saying right now, you, you make me feel better about the, the fit. And like you said, he can't be worse defensively than, than Priggs and Jason, Jason Terry's corpse. Um, who's your starting lineup? Opening night, who do you think who you think on the floor? I think that just out of the longevity, just the respect and the uh, everything that Patrick Beverly has meant to this team, I've called him before as the heart and soul of this Rockets team. I would say that just out of respect to that and, and Kevin McHale being sort of, uh, you know, an old-fashioned a, a former player, I mean, I think he's big on those things. I think Beverly's going to get the start. Um, I think, of course, Harden and, and Howard. Uh, I, I don't think Modi Yunus will be ready yet. He's still recovering uh, from back surgery. So I think it's probably going to be Terrence Jones with Trevor Ariza. And I think you'll see uh, Ty Lawson work himself into the starting lineup a couple of weeks into the season. Or maybe if the Rockets take off, maybe they just continue bringing him off the bench. But I think on opening night, I think you're going to see Beverly get the nod just out of everything he's meant to this team over the last few years. Okay, so you got uh, Beverly, uh, Harden, Trevor Ariza, <clears throat> Terrence Jones, and Dwight, and Dwight Howard. That sounds like a, a pretty quality starting lineup. Um, speaking of Dwight, and you said yourself, it's it's weird. I, I love Dwight Howard personally. I love his game. I, I think he's he gets a lot of flack he shouldn't get, you know, about the, like you said, um, I think he hears a lot of the noise, too, and he wants to post up because of it. You know, the, he has no post moves. He doesn't take the game seriously enough. No center, I think, has been as impactful when healthy as he has been over the last few years. But his health is a, is a concern. Can you tell me anything that you might know about his health this, this season and, and how they plan to maybe manage that? Well, the Rockets talked a lot yesterday at Media Day um, about the need to reduce his workload and monitor those minutes. Now, we don't know if there's going to be an outright restriction on back-to-backs, but I, I would think – that that would be the smart way to go. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to put wear on Dwight's body in these meaningless games when the when the goal is a title. I mean, the Rockets have bigger goals now than they did in the past, and most especially because there's actually a valuable backup for them in Clint Capella. And so I've written a lot about this. I actually, and maybe this is uh, with my Homer glasses on, but I think Clint Capella is the most important young player out of any Western Conference contending team. And he he's bulked up from 222 to 246 entering this season. Uh, 222, of course, is his weight entering last season. He was an absolute revelation in the postseason last year. He can he can defend the rim, and he can and most importantly, he can actually finish at the rim off of the pick and rolls. And so the Rockets can run the same. When Dwight sits, 
when with playing Capella. Now, of course, he doesn't have nearly the same impact as Dwight does. Um, as you noted, Dwight, probably the most dominant big man in the league when healthy. But I think the smartest thing for the Rockets to do going forward to get the maximum impact out of Dwight and to get that production out of Capella is to kind of platoon their minutes. And so if you get them at something, you know, it's it's not reasonable to expect an outright 50-50 split. But if you can get mm-hmm. Dwight around 30 minutes, you know, under 30 minutes, something close to the Tim Duncan maintenance plan, you can have a fresh Dwight Howard at playoff time, and that means everything to the Rockets. And the most important thing, the most interesting thing, is that we touched on that comeback against the Clippers when Josh Smith led the, de- the offense for the Rockets in that comeback. But who was at the other end anchoring the defense, playing out of his mind? It was Dwight Howard. And what did he do on the other end? He was not calling for the ball in the post-ups. He was doing exactly what he should be doing, protecting the basket like a madman, rebounding everything and rolling to the rim and, and sucking in defenders. And that's exactly how the Rockets need Dwight to play. And that's how a healthy Dwight can play. And the only way to keep him healthy is to keep him at this minutes restriction. And there's no reason to not do that with Clint Capella there. Um, how many how many games do you think Dwight plays this year? Or how many games do, uh, do, we, do the Rockets need Dwight to play to, to, to make sure that they're like maybe a top three seed? It's tough to say. I mean, if you had told – how many games did he play last year? About around 50. If you had told me that Dwight Howard played around half the games in the Rockets' season last year and they still finished second in the West, I would never have believed you. So it, it's it's tough to say. I mean, we don't really understand the dynamics of this Rockets team. It was almost two different Rockets teams last year with them acquiring Corey Brewer and uh, and Josh Smith later on in the year. And so that kind of uh, picked up a lot of, of the gap that was left off there. And Modi Yunus coming of age, Terrence Jones was out. So we don't really know. We don't completely know what this team is. I mean, there's just so many factors at play. The Rockets made a big deal at Media Day yesterday about for the first time coming back with the same group. And I think a lot has been written about this. That was a big part of why Golden State had the, the success they did, aside from of course, hiring Steve Kerr. They just had that continuity. The Rockets have never had continuity in the James Harden era. They've, you know, for better or worse, they've always had to gut the team every summer trying to chase a star. This year, they land Ty Lawson without giving up a single major rotation piece. And you can argue whether or not Josh Smith was that if, if saying that Terrence Jones just comes, takes his place in the lineup. And so the Rockets actually have the exact same group coming back I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that question because there's so many question marks. If Clint Capella can step in, maybe you just need Dwight Howard to stay healthy for 60 games. Um, yeah, that, that's that's fair. I understand that because it's my biggest criticism of Maury uh, before last season was the high roster turnover and the lack of continuity. And it's hard to make a real team that way. But now in hindsight, I see that what he was looking for was that chemistry that actually fit and and the you know, get the right mix of people, and he did a great job bringing everybody back and then bolstering the the roster. Um, in the draft, you guys got Sam Decker, you got um, Montrezl Harrell, and I'm going to kind of cheat uh, because you got K.J. McDaniels like about, about midseason, but you got him for, for next to nothing. So that's I'm going to count that as a draft pick. Grade you guys' draft, and then my other question, where exactly does Montrezl Harrell fit? Because as you said, you got Monte Yunus, 
You got Terrence Jones. Uh, you got Clint, who's going to play both spots. You guys are pretty, you're pretty loaded across the board, and I really like Montrezl Harrell. I think he's he's a very talented player. I'm surprised he fell so far, and I think he can he can do a lot of what you guys need. He, he's tough, and he runs, and he jumps, and he's kind of versatile. So great I'm you guys gonna, draft. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know enough about these players to to truly give an accurate grade. I, I don't scout college basketball, so I've never really got into a year with an outright prediction on any of these. But I don't think Sam Decker is going to crack the lineup. This team, as you said, is so deep. Now, I think with Harrell, it's an interesting situation because the Rockets have both Modi Yunus and Terrence Jones, who will be free agents this summer. And I don't think, and I think all indications point towards this, I don't think there's much chance that either of those players will be extended during the season simply because the Rockets, as you noted, always hope to have flexibility in the summer uh, with the, with some key free agents this summer being available. And so I don't think either of those guys are extended. So the big question is whether the Rockets look to move someone like Terrence Jones in the se- in season. And the only way that becomes palatable is if Harrell or somebody else who arises out of nowhere becomes such a contributor that he can take Jones's place in the lineup without a drop-off. I mean, if, if with the new cap projections, with things, what we're looking at, if Terrence Jones is going to cost you 12 to $15 million a year and you already have Modi Yunus, the Rockets may look to just ship him off and plug in a cheaper alternative. And a guy like Harrell, who, you know, by all accounts, he seems to have the same rebounding prowess, the same inside prowess, maybe not, the playmaking and the the, uh, the freakish, well, I wouldn't call it freakish, but the athleticism that Jones has. He doesn't have those dynamics, um, but he brings other things to the table at a much cheaper cost, and so that might be a better alternative for the Rockets. And I personally would never pay Terrence Jones $15 million. I, I don't think that he's even in the new cap era. I don't think he's worth that. Now, I think you asked about K.J. McDaniel, and that's the guy I'm most excited about, and I don't you know, it's tough to predict what's going to happen. I mean, the Rockets are just so deep with Brewer and Harden and Ariza already there. But you could turn this into a situation where you have an embarrassment of riches. I mean, you you look at this team when Harden was first acquired. I mean, the, the wings on this team, of course, Chandler Parsons, but he wasn't known for his defense. But you had guys like Delfino and Francisco Garcia. Now, overnight almost, you have one of the longest teams on the perimeter with Ariza and Brewer at both at six eight, and it was interesting in the playoffs just watching those guys play the passing lane. And so, if if McDaniel can somehow come into his own, there's huge questions and marks about that. He's going to have to be able to develop a shot. But if mm-hmm. McDaniel can somehow become productive, I mean, that gives the Rockets so many options with so many different lineups. You could do a small ball lineup with him at the four, Ariza at the three. Uh, but again, I'm not holding my breath because he ha- to, to get on the floor, he has to be able to shoot. And there still is not any indication that uh, that has happened yet. Yeah, you guys are just so deep and such, it seems like you have quality every position. It's, it's it's really tough to see those young guys getting minutes. And it's sad because young guys need minutes to develop. Um, I, I know you probably can't stay too much longer. I want to keep to take, up, take up too much more, more of your time, but just a couple more questions. Um, sure. Plain and simple. Is Kevin McHale the right coach? I like him. He seems to be really good with the guys, and he, he seems to be a, a player's coach. But do you think can, – can can he 
manufacture the things that you guys needed in game? Like you said, the margins. Can he take care and clean up the margins? I think in the new NBA, the model for success is, and I think this is what Daryl Morey has in mind, the model for success is having the head coach a sort of a liaison between the players in the front office and the, the assistant coaches. And what you want to do is surround that head coach with a strong infrastructure of assistant coaches who are, who are, uh, who hold expertise in the X's and O's. And so I don't think the question is whether or not Kevin McHale is the right guy for the job, because I was one of his biggest critics early on, but I think that he, Dwight Howard and James Harden completely buy in to him. And that's the most important thing just to have stability in the locker room. A guy like Kevin McHale as a figurehead for the organization, a figurehead where outside players see him in the organization and say, that's a guy that I respect. That's a guy that I want to play for. I think that's extremely important. And that's what Daryl Morey had in mind. I think the key for the Rockets is surrounding him on the bench with guys who he can go to because he is not, as you noted, the best in the world with the clipboard. And I think the Rockets in hiring TR Dunn last year, I think that that made huge improvement for them defensively. And so I think, I think that's the model that the Rockets are trying to follow in having a figurehead as the coach and then having your assistant coaches be the guys that you lean on for those X's and O's. Okay, and that's, it makes sense from that angle because, like I said, he, he seems to be great with the guys. He, he he takes responsibility for for how they how they you know when they play poorly, and he doesn't he he, he defers when when they do play well. So that's an interesting interesting take on that. So so he's earned a little of your respect. That's good. Um, where do you see Rock the Rockets ending up in the playoff race? Can you give me your your, your eight that you think real quick? I know we won't hold you to it. Season hasn't started yet. It all. I've been saying it all comes down to health. I, I think Houston could finish just like any of the other top six teams, anywhere from one to six. I mean, you have one injury to Draymond Green or Clay Thompson, and Golden State falls to fourth. You have one injury to anybody on Memphis. One injury to Lamarcus Aldridge. One injury to Chris Paul. I think any of these teams, they're all so closely bunched together. And I think the big thing with the Golden State Warriors and not to take away from what they accomplished, they had historic differentials, but they were largely very healthy throughout the postseason, whereas the Houston Rockets were missing two starters. And so the Warriors were head and shoulders above the Rockets. It was not meant to slight the Warriors at all. But you look at the other teams, mm-hmm. I think they're all very evenly matched. And I think what's what people most often forget, what I forget the most when I'm ranking the West, which – kind of proves how crazy this Western conference is, is that we forget that the team that wasn't even in the thick of things last year was the team that entered the year last year as a lot of people's favorites in the Oklahoma city Thunder. So if you get back a healthy Kevin Durant, they could win the NBA championship and nobody would even blink an eye. Um, So Houston, I think, I don't know that you can really put a safe prediction. They could be first. They could be sixth. I would not be surprised if they were sixth, uh, if injuries, if injuries play out, I would not be surprised if they were first. And that's, that's another good call because last year, I mean, like you said, I don't know if people remember this, the difference between the second seed and the sixth seed, I think it was two games. You know, this yeah. is this is how it played out. So 
I'm, I, maybe I'm underestimating. I think a lot of people do this. We underestimate the Rockets. Uh, for some reason, they're not really considered true contenders, but they were right there. They they were, you know, it, it's hard it's hard to bet against them. What team, I, no team is an easy matchup in the West, but what do you think would be the most favorable matchup? Let's say the Rockets meet the West, make the Western Conference Finals. Finals. What team would you most want to see them play, and then who would you most want to avoid in the in the WC in the WCF? I think that I mean it remains to be seen how the Lamarcus, how the Spurs integrate Lamarcus Aldridge into their system. Um, but before that acquisition, they were a great matchup for Houston just simply because of. The, the advantage Houston had in terms of athleticism and, of course, both teams adding major pieces, and so that changes. Um, it, it's tough to say. I would say the team that I would want to avoid the most, I don't think it would be Golden State. I think it would actually be Memphis. Um, I, I think Memphis can really pound the Rockets, um, especially if they're not completely healthy up front. I think Memphis is a very bad matchup for Houston, and, of course, that I, I would say I would throw Golden State in there as well. Um, but I think the Rockets play Golden State a lot more closely than the final outcome seemed. Uh, a lot of those games were a lot closer um, than the narrative suggests, and the Rockets, of course, missing two starters. So I, it, it, it's just a toss-up out West. I mean, every single team is a bad matchup on any night. So it, it's just very difficult to say. Even even cl- the Clippers, who the Rockets beat, that's a very bad matchup for Houston as well because of what I noted. J.J. Reddick guards James Harden just about as well as anyone in the league. And DeAndre Jordan, for some reason, just has his number. James Harden simply cannot score at the rim against DeAndre Jordan. And so you look up and down at the top tier of the Western Conference, I there isn't really a single team that you feel comfortable with. I think you just have to take your chances. Um, it, it all comes down to matchups. It all comes down to health. I think with Golden State, I mean, of course, the big advantage they have being able to go small and with Draymond Green being able to do things that other teams can't match up with. And so Houston sort of trying to to, to go towards that evolution there and they hope that they can have more small ball items, but we'll see what develops for the Rockets in the season. Yeah, the West is absolutely brutal, man. Those, those top six. We know what the six are, right? Of course, San Antonio, um, the Rockets, the Clippers, OKC, uh, Memphis. Did I hit them all? San Antonio, Golden State, Houston, the Clippers, Memphis. We're missing somebody. And OKC. Okay, see, there you go, six. So who do you think is the last two, seven and eight? Any, any guess? I would say I would have to put the Pelicans in there. I think Anthony Davis, best player in the league. I think they got a coaching upgrade. I think, I think it's, oh. it's, he's, about, he's at that stage where he's going to take them to the playoffs, um, and he's going to take out, them please. deeper. Time out, Rod. Did you say the best player in the league? You think he's you think he's taking over? He's going to be the number one player in the league this year. I think that if you looked at the numbers, I I think that I think it's difficult to make a case against Anthony Davis as the overall best player in the league. 
I think that's no disrespect to Steph Curry, no disrespect to LeBron James, but I think the impact that Anthony Davis had on the basketball court, I think that it's, I mean, he's at beyond a generational level. I mean, I remember making the comment a couple of years ago, asking on Twitter, asking my followers how long until Anthony Davis uh, surpassed Dwight Howard. And, and I thought it would be by the end of the year. This was a couple of years ago, and I got ridiculed by a lot of people on that. And, and obviously he had already um, surpassed Dwight Howard by then, and he's just getting better. I, I think that he's, he's at a point now where they just have to find a consistent guard rotation to put around him. And it's unfortunate for him being in this deep West. I mean, if, if he was out East, I mean, they could, they could go much further, obviously. But I think that this is no disrespect but to Steph Curry, but Anthony Davis, I think you, you have to have him as the best player in the league at this point. Wow. That's, that's, that's a, it's a fresh take. And I, you know, you obviously know your stuff, but I, I respect that. I, I think KD and LeBron have a little something to say about that still, but you know, it, we shall see. He'll probably launch himself amongst that, uh, into that discussion. Um, Rod Huck, thank you so much for coming by, man. I appreciate it. Can you tell everybody where can they find you uh, on Twitter? It's at Red94, so it's spelled out. It's R-E-D, not N-I-N-E-T-Y, and then the the, the word for, F-O-U-R. And then the website is red94.net. Man, that was, this is a great show. I, uh, ran a little long. I appreciate you coming on taking the time. Um yeah, man. I'm um, excited for the season, and I'd love to have you on again, especially uh, when you guys are in the midst of a 15-game winning streak. Really enjoyed it, James, and I would love to come back. Oh, you're awesome, man. Hey, have a great night, man. Thanks. You too. Feel from you, sir. And I think it's going to be a long, long time. The touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am Mr. Rahat Huck, man. That's um, interesting. He thinks Anthony Davis is going to take over as the best player in the league this year. I, I mean, it, it's not it's not beyond the pale, right? It's it's not crazy. The guy is his ceiling is limitless right now. We we didn't think he could shoot. He came into the league and he's, he's killing it from mid range. There's not much he can't do. Um, interesting. I really like his thoughts on James Harden. Uh, the fact that counter to what a lot of people say, because Dwight not Dwight. Uh, Harden is great again to the line. He can shoot threes. That's what Houston wants to do. And uh, Rod said he wants to see him take it to the mid-range and get into the post a little more. That's It's thinking outside the box a little bit. Um, he touched on Dwight Howard and his, his his infatuation with posting up. It's something that I hate that I think Dwight let people get into his head when they talk about, oh, uh, you know, Shaq, oh, great big man, 28 and 28 and 15. 
that's not who you are, Dwight. You know what I'm saying? Dwight's a killer when he's in the pick and roll. He's, he's a killer when he's rolling to the rim, sucking the defense, and he's catching it and putting somebody in the rim, or he's healing the catch in the middle. And Dwight, he proved this in, um, in Orlando. He, he can catch it on the roll, and if a hard double comes, he'll pitch it to the corner, and they'll, they'll keep the ball moving. So, But, um, yeah, it's going to be a great season, man. Mr. Uh, at Red94, all, all spelled out, and his website is red94.net, but the website's not spelled out. It's red, and then the number's 94.net. So, uh, great follow. Uh, he knows the stuff, obviously. It's pretty cool that he, that he started that site, and they got picked up by True Hoop. So, a lot of good stuff there, man. Give him a follow and, and, and check out his stuff. He's, he's, he's chomping at the bit like the rest of the start for the season. So, um, man. That's about it, man. Um, next next week we got my man at Kirk Furious Face and uh, Andy Andy Tobo coming on. We're gonna talk some Dallas, and that's gonna be it. So I'm gonna go ahead and eat my chimichanga for dinner and and carry on. Um, thanks for listening. And this has been the Houston Rockets preview on the Instant Offense Podcast. I'm James Holis, and I'm out. AT&T knows that staying on top of your modern life is about staying connected. Whether you're at home, at work, or at play, you always need the ability to go full speed ahead. And that means you need a data plan that has your back, one that works day and night and updates constantly. Right now with AT&T, you can get unlimited talk, text, and data usage with the first 1.5 gigabytes at device speed for $40 a month on GoPhone. After a $5 account credit each month when you sign up for auto refill and make your first payment of $45. All on the network with the nation's strongest 4G LTE signal. No credit check, no annual contract, no joke. When you're unlimited, there's nothing stopping you. AT&T, mobilizing your world. Unused 1.5 gigabytes data carries over for one 30-day period if your plan renews on time. Expires after first 30-day period or with plan change. Data usage exceeding the high-speed allowance will result in reduced data speeds of up to 128 kilobytes per second for the rest of your 30-day term. Compatible device required. Get $5 credit after first order refill payment. Credit applied within 30 days. Account must be active usage and other restrictions apply. Signal strength claim based only on average 4G LTE signal strength for national carriers. See store for details. 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 National carriers. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar! Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything! Safeway makes it easy to save at the pump with your club card because you can use up to 20 cents per gallon in Safeway gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations. Get more mileage out of your grocery budget, up to 20 cents per gallon. When you shop more at Safeway, you save more at Chevron and Texaco. Maximum reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Cannot be combined with any other Safeway gas reward offer. Restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com or in store.